Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Short Term Show special episode series on the high country of North Carolina. So we are going to be doing a 10 episode deep dive into everything you need to know about buying a short term rental in this market. And we do have a few supplemental materials for y'all to check out over on our website. So any information that you need on pricing of short-term rental properties in this market, you can find it on our website at theshorttermshop.com. You can also find income data, thanks to our friends over at airdna.com. You can find that on our website, again, at theshorttermshop.com. If you guys are interested in buying a short-term rental property with a short-term shop agent in this market, you can email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com or you can join our Facebook group. We've created an amazing community with over 50,000 people where we talk about all short-term rental investing all day, every day. And you can join that. The name of the group is the same title as my book, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. And we look forward to seeing you over there. Thanks, y'all. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short Term Show market-specific podcast. This edition is the high country of North Carolina. Today, we're starting at the beginning. We're going to be talking about why the hell would you want to invest in the high country of North Carolina? Why would you want to buy a short-term rental here? So we've got a panel of experienced experts. That was redundant, but I've uh, got a great panel of knowledgeable folks on here. I'll let them introduce themselves. First, we have Garrett Simmons. Garrett, introduce yourself. Yeah. Hey, Avery. Um, I'm sure some of you guys have heard me before, maybe not on uh, some form of, of Avery's uh, po podcast publications. I am a uh, an agent on Avery's team up in the high country of North Carolina, which uh, kind of encompasses the the northwest corner of the state. Uh, Appalachian State is is the our kind of our claim to fame, Boone, Banner Elk, Blowing Rock area, um, about an hour and a half north of Charlotte, two hours, hour and a half ish north of Asheville. Um, I own investment properties, uh, have helped a ton of clients buy short term rentals specifically up in the area, and uh, have been up here for a little over a decade on and off since uh, since school. So know the area well and uh, excited to be on uh, this morning. Thanks, Garrett. Next, we have Mr. Joe Prilliman. You may know him from a number of different places because he pops up literally everywhere, even before he was on this team. I would see him everywhere. So Joe, you want to introduce yourself? Oh, wow. That was wonderful. Thank you, Avery. Um, yeah, my name is Joe Prilliman. I'm a real estate investor, um, mainly doing short-term vacation rentals in Carolina Beach and uh, actually up in Banner Elk, North Carolina. So we've been building our portfolio since 2018, um, mixed in some long-term rentals and mid-term rentals as well. But we're up to 16 properties, 21 doors, and kind of keep rocking and rolling from there. I'm also a real estate agent. I'm on Avery's team as well. I work down here in the Carolina Beach market and specializing in helping people lock in some killer short-term rentals. It's the name of the game. Thanks, Joe. And next we have Brad Bertram. Brad, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Avery. I'm glad to be on the podcast with you. I'm a financial advisor in Tennessee, but I am an extensive real estate investor, have nine short terms and 17 long terms. So I guess that's 26 doors. Um, and they're all over the Southeast, um, the Gulf Coast and in Western North Carolina. Yeah. And Brad's probably the biggest baller here because he's having a house built in Big Sky. So, I mean, that's, no, please. that's high roller stuff. <laughs> Come on. Come on. 
All right. So uh, we are going to talk about today. So all these guys own stuff in Western North Carolina and high country. And we're going to talk about why you might be interested in or why a person might invest in the high country. So what are some of the attractions? We'll start there. What are the attractions of the high country? Yeah, absolutely. This could be a long-winded answer. Uh, I think it's a good reason, a good, a good thing. Um, I know Avery, you always talk about um, kind of trying to target these markets that have just more than one attraction and one thing, um, which the high country definitely does. I would say, um, compared to some beach markets and um, some other areas of the country, we're going to be a little bit less seasonal uh, than than some other areas. And when I say that right now, it's really busy in the Banner Elk, Beach Mountain, Sugar Mountain area based on the ski resorts. So if you are in the Southeast and don't want to hop on an airplane to go skiing or snowboarding, uh, you're going to drive up to our areas. It's the only area in mountain that is kind of worth doing any skiing and snowboarding. Um, so we can kind of cast a wide net in the wintertime. Um, even people from Tennessee that would maybe vacation to the Smokies in the summertime are going to drive out to Banner Elk and Beach Mountain because there's just not much skiing and snowboarding out in um, the Tennessee area. We're about three times the elevation of a Gatlinburg, um, so that the temperatures are going to be a lot cooler year round. Obviously, freezing in the wintertime, uh, which garners all that snow. Then the summertime, it's going to be rarely in the 80s, um, so people can escape from the rest of North Carolina and. Um, and where it's really hot and humid. Uh, that, typically, that's the people that are going to be um, vacationing up here. And I, I know we can get into that in, in a little bit. But uh, in the summertime, people are coming up to to hike, to fly fish, to whitewater raft, to golf, to float, to um, go to some of the national parks up here, to sit at a winery, to go um, really sometimes just to beat the heat and get out of uh, you know Charlotte, Raleigh, some of these other metro areas of North Carolina. Um, in the fall football season, Appalachian state kicks up, uh, school season, which is now has over 20,000 undergrad where I went to school. So that has uh, been a huge, huge reason for, um, attraction year round people coming up for football games. A lot of the alumni is still local and lives in, in the state and, uh, can get behind the games in the fall. You have a lot of family coming to visit as the university gets super big around the Boone and Blowing Rock area is super popular during the school year. I, I know my parents came up, uh, several times a year to, to visit me and my friends when I was in school. So again, you don't have students staying in your short-term rentals typically. Um, but the families and friends visiting them, uh, is a really big attraction. Um, so yeah, that's going to be kind of starting in the fall. Uh, I would say, um, you know, Thanksgiving is kind of the start of the Christmas snow season. You got people coming up to chop down a Christmas tree. Uh, Avery County is one of the largest Christmas tree providers in the country, uh, believe it or not. We, the White House sometimes gets gets their tree from uh, from this area. So people come up for mountain weekends. You got families, even if they're not skiing and snowboarding, that uh, maybe want to show their kids some snow because there's going to be some snow on the ground when it flurries in Charlotte. We might get you know six inches in, in Boone or Banner Elk. So um, that's just a couple of the you know reasons that people are coming up here. Um, I would say the biggest the biggest difference from maybe the Smokies is going to be um, a little bit less commercialized, colder, um, and a couple, you know, the university is going to be a big attraction and, um, a, a little bit smaller, less of a, um, some sort of hybrid between, uh, Gatlinburg and a place in the woods. You know, we still have a Walmart, so somewhere, you know, a happy medium there. 
Yeah. So you're saying that it's a little bit of a combination between a vacation market and a college market. So I find that to be somewhat attractive uh, because, you know, you do want to be able to capitalize on football games and things like that. But also you have the vacation aspect of it. So you're not like fully dependent on either thing, which is cool because none of our other markets are like that. Right. Right. And I would even say, I know we can get into a little bit with Brad and Joe, uh, which are it's good to have both of them on because they both own properties up here, but in a little bit different location. And I would say, I know some other conversations we've had with some panelists, we've talked about the market being a little bit split, which I think it is as far as the demand. Uh, places where Joe, ha- you know, Joe's area out in Banner Elk is going to be a little bit closer to the ski slope. So the wintertime is going to be really popular and a lot more popular. Um, Brad's place, you know, while he's still, I'm sure, getting bookings now in the summertime, being close to Boone and Blowing Rock, um, typically is going to get a little bit more traffic. And so he can be he could be a little bit more crowded in the spring and summertime where Joe could be a little bit more crowded in the wintertime. Um, and, and that really can just come from only having a couple roads uh, from from a helicopter or Google Maps. It looks like it's all in the same place, but it could take you, you know, 45 minutes just to get from potentially Joe's place from Brad's place, Joe's to Brad's place, depending on the time of year and the traffic. Do you other guys have anything else to add on on attractions and things that attract people to the area? Oh my gosh, can you tell Garrett's been there 10 years? Mm-hmm. That was incredible. Uh, across the board, he hit like all the main highlights on the whole thing. Like, I mean, to the T, like just to reiterate on that, like that is one of the main reasons why I went for that area was I was trying to offset my other portfolio and I want something that was a little more steady eddy, but like I got beach properties, like they are empty in the winter, completely empty. And when you're wrapping money around it every time and you're like, oh, I feel great at the end of the summer, but I've got to make this last the whole time. I wanted something to offset my portfolio. And um, Charlotte Raleigh Durham is what dictates my investment decisions right now. So many people are moving into North Carolina and all those people want to go ski somewhere. And that's the closest place you can go for anything remotely close to what a lot of these people are used to skiing. And so they're going to continually go up there repeatedly. It just made sense to me. What I was going to ask, well, I do have a question, but I want to revert back to something else. So I think that you make a really good point, Joe, in that a lot of the other markets that we operate in are summer high seasons. So this is a really cool market because it's a winter high season mostly, right? So if you've already got a beach property or somewhere that's high in the in the summertime, uh, this might be a really good option for you so that you have you're staggering your high season. So I think that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. And and I would say, I mean, I know again, I, I, it's going to be dependent on kind of where you are and the type of property you have, but one of the, while it can be seasonal in the high season, you know, I would say it's going to be, I always kind of tell people, depending on what their property is, it could be 70, 30. So if you look at Joe's, again, Joe's going to be able to give more accurate numbers on his properties, but his high season might be in the wintertime. But unlike maybe the beach where during the high season, it's 90% of his revenue, it might be something like 70, 30, where it's not like your property is going to sit vacant all summer. Um, it's just going to be, you know, the weekdays are going to be a little bit slower during the summer where you are competing with, because of, like Joe said, that's a lot of people from North Carolina that are vacationing here. Well, they go to the beach in the summertime. So we're kind of competing with those people in the summertime that will book a place set for a week at the beach versus the wintertime. People are less likely to go down to the beach unless they're property owners and, and they'll come up here. And, and as well, like I mentioned, we can get some people coming from Tennessee and Florida and some longer places that want to go skiing and snowboarding. Um, but uh, I do kind of have a quick question for Brad while he's on here and, and Avery. Um, now, Brad obviously has done a lot of stuff in the Smokies um, where you know you guys started. And I get this all the time from people and I'm interested to hear his opinion on like, Brad, what is your kind of big 
difference between the high country and the Smokies, you know, not even from an investment standpoint, but just from a, a attraction standpoint when you're, when you're at both of them. So I, I would say that my, my initial attraction to the high country was just that it was consistent to some degree all year round. You know, there's something to draw people pretty much every part of the year. There's not really, in my opinion, there's not much of a high and low season. It's pretty consistent, but um, the one thing that I did not factor into it that has been a major driver is App State and the parents and the traveling route around App State. Um, that has been like in January, for instance, I would say 60% of my bookings were parents bringing students back to school and those things. So, um, you know, it, it's very consistent and much more so than I had anticipated, which is fantastic. You know, it. I would say that the the elevation is definitely the attraction. You know, the the cooler temperatures in the summertime. That um, that for myself and for a lot of people in that area, you know, the, the summers are brutal in the southeast, in Tennessee, and North Carolina, and South Carolina. It's so humid and hot. And if I can take a three hour drive and go from ninety five to seventy five, that's super attractive. So. Um, it's not necessarily the dinner shows and the theme parks and the you know all those things that are super attractive in the Smokies. It's it's all it's the reverse of that, honestly. It's really the opposite of that. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. I mean, the Blue Ridge Parkway, like all that jazz. Like I love going up there. Like being born and raised in uh, uh, Winston Salem, North Carolina. It's like I mean, it's terrible. When Garrett said, you know, escape the summer, he wasn't kidding. It was we escape to the mountains or to the beach because you either got to cool off in the humidity or you got to jump in the ocean. And so uh, that's why I invest there. That's yeah, right. Joe, I think when you close, you know, the middle of the summertime, you're like sweating like no other. Like coming up with shorts and chacos and i think it was like like we fired up the propane fireplace like yo bring your sweatshirt oh yeah you know i really appreciate that i do sweat a lot um and uh it was a wonderful way for me to try to keep that from happening and you promised me it wasn't going to be like hot up there during that time and the one week i'm there we had like the highest temperatures they've had and so yeah you're um, yeah we were worrying about the ac units we were like, <laughs> right we were talking about ac any... units and now i'm here like we need to put in more fireplaces it is dang cold up there uh very, very fun though. Absolutely love it. So let's talk about the summer because we talked about the winter. We know there's skiing. Well, actually, I do want to ask one more question about the winter before we move on to that. So when does is this an area where snow falls and stays on the ground throughout, like or for any period of time, or is it like the rest of the southeast where it'll dust for a minute and then it's gone? Right. Great question. I would say somewhere in between. So as far as the ski slopes go, um, we are gonna have enough snow mixed with them being able to blow snow at night when it's cold enough that there will always be some sort of base layer on the ski slopes year round or sorry during the season so i would say from whenever they open this beginning of december all the way through that's typically the end of march beginning of april they stay open as long as they can um granted sometimes they're better 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 than others sometimes it's slushy sometimes it's icy um so the ski slopes are always going to see snow the rest of the area we definitely will have snow that stays but it is not like a I don't know, name your place in Colorado where the first snow comes and from December to March, you can't see the ground because there's snow on the ground. Um, so not, not like the rest of the state where it snows and everything shuts down for a week and then the snow has gone in five hours. Um, I would say it's all based on the temperatures, obviously, but no, we will, uh, like right now there's not snow on the ground. Uh, we had some snow this past weekend and it was there for a day or two and then it was gone. Um, so the ski slopes, you never have to worry about those really shutting down throughout the winter time. 
Um, but, um, as far as the roads and your driveway is not going to be, you know, iced over and covered with snow all winter. That's good to know. All right. Back to the summer. What is there to do in the summer? Is this a big golf market? What are people doing when they come in the summertime? Yeah. So, um, a couple, you know, not only has it kind of been a mix of a college town and vacation town, historically, this area has really been a true second home vacation town. There's a lot of people from Florida that have second homes, vacation homes, and a lot of really high end neighborhoods that um, don't have or, you know, would not are not good short term rentals, don't allow short term rentals. And so there's kind of a submarket of people that will come up here, uh, you know, snowbirds from Florida. So for those people, yes, golf is huge. I would say that for vacationers, it's not as big just because there's not a lot of public golf. It's a lot of really nice private places that are owned by, you know, that even I rarely get access to from a friend of a friend of a friend. Um, national parks are really huge. Uh, I don't really know the numbers as far as how much bigger, how much more or less we have than the Smokies, but you know, we have grandfather mountain, which is a really big, um, attraction, kind of an outdoor zoo area slash lookout with a mile high swing bridge the Linville Gorge. Um, there's a lot of hiking, little different hiking trails. Um, you can, you know, off the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is a national highway that runs all the way from Georgia, all the way up to West Virginia ish area. Um, so yeah, all, all the hiking, whitewater rafting in college, I was a whitewater rafting guide. You can uh, do that out in Eastern Tennessee, but you'll take a bus from downtown Banner Elk. Um, zip lining. I know I've actually, we, you know, went with Joe and, uh, and RTC when she was in town. Um, that's something that you can do year round horseback riding, um, tubing. There's some rivers that you can sit on a float. It's not even rafting and you get a cooler beer that floats too. And you tie your rafts together with everybody and you hop on a bus and, and float down the river out in Nash County and Todd, uh, in the summertime fly fishing is really big up here. Uh, the biggest attraction for fly fishing and trout is cold water and the water. A lot of the water up here is either snow runoff or comes from the bottom of really, really deep lakes. So the water is cold year round. Um, so that's a really big area. Uh, this up through down the Asheville area is really big for fly fishing. Um, so really you name your outdoor activity. Um, you can really do in the summertime. Um, I'm sure I'm missing something, but, um, the climate, bro, you forgot the climate. 78 degrees the climate so oh mountain biking uh i missed yeah and mountain biking is, is getting really big it's really big in the pisca Asheville area but um the ski resorts now change their ski lifts to mountain biking lifts and so you can you know you, ha- you go up and have downhill mountain biking uh mountain biking is really big up here um but yeah the like brad said i mean i would say as far as needing air conditioning if you're on beach mountain you rarely need it I mean, even if you're a place like Brad's or Joe's, if you get a lot of natural sunlight, maybe, you know, there's a couple of times in the middle of the day, maybe, maybe 15 days a year, 10 days a year, you wish you maybe had air conditioning. Um, I found in my properties historically, I, put, I opened my windows and at night I'm cold. Um, you can kind of always wear a sweatshirt at night. So yeah, the climate is going to be the, the biggest draw um, in addition to all those activities I just mentioned. It's true, but <laughs> there are two words that will dictate your time in the high country and it's mountain coaster. And I am riding that mountain coaster as hard as I can. And <laughs> That's I'm right. determined to beat my wife in that because uh, she thinks she's faster than me on the mountain coaster. It's not going to happen. It's five minutes from my house. And I'm not gonna lie. That was a huge uh, reason for me for wanting to be up there. Cause I yeah, love I me a good mountain coaster. <laughs> I forgot there's a mountain coaster. Uh, there's some high ropes courses. Um, that that's like I guess Tweetsie Railroad is a, a little railroad amusement park that's really popular for kids. Um, gem for mining. kids, yeah, kid me. That like place is little, awesome. 
<laughs> at a high gravity place. There's some gem mining, which I don't know how real it is. I'm sure they have that in the Smokies where you can fish through some gems. Um, but uh, yeah, Joe, I forgot about the roller coaster. Oh it's yeah, dude. In middle thing. school, I got my first piece of tiger's eye up there. Those little gem mines, they hundred percent throw them in there. Like that was it, man. That was the place you get to collect rocks. You ride the mountain coaster. Like you just have a blast up there. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually have a little bit of a traumatic core memory when it comes to gem mining at one of these places. So I was like five and I went with a school friend of mine and her parents up there uh, from Atlanta was where we lived at the time when I was a kid. And I couldn't figure out how to like shake the little pan without shaking my whole self. And so everybody that walked by made a comment about me shaking my whole self. And then I've been like, I, I was super self-conscious and I was like, what am I doing wrong? Why is everybody laughing at me? So now anytime I hear gem mining, I'm like, shudder. <laughs> That's hilarious. Panning for gold thing. I know it's so dumb. The, the things you remember from a kid. <laughs> um. All right. So I think we've hit on a lot of the what there is to do there. Where's the majority of the travel coming in? Are they flying in? Are they driving in? Are these mostly North Carolinians? I know Floridians love North Carolina, but where's everybody coming from? Yeah, um, great question. I, I would say it's definitely split up. Uh, if we look from a pie chart perspective, the the winter time, a little bit of everywhere. Overall, I would say the majority of people that are going to stay in short term rentals are going to be coming from North Carolina or or something within less than a four hour drive. Um, a lot of times it's Charlotte, Raleigh, um, Winston-Salem, Greensboro. There's a lot of property owners that will kind of parlay because they're so close. They might be a short-term investor. I even have clients that will, you know, kind of be closer to the break-even point because they will use it for, you know, more than just 10 days out of the year. They might be up there for, you know, a combined five, six, seven weeks. So you have a lot of people like that, that kind of are a second home mixed with um, vacation home. Um, so I would say, yeah, Charlotte, Raleigh, um, Winston, I know Joe talked about the whole North Carolina area, just even, even pre pandemic, yeah, North Carolina, people have been flocking to North Carolina property values, cost of living is so much less than New York, California. A lot of these tech jobs are moving to the RDU RTP area. Um, and so, yeah, the people that would vacation to Tahoe that lived in, you know, California are going to come up to the mountains and the people that were coming to, you know, LA, San Diego for the beach are going to go down to Joe's area. So it's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of high, usually a lot of upper middle class, high income earners uh, in the in the North Carolina area. Um, in the winter time, we might cast again a bigger, a little bit bigger of a net because of this key slope. So you have people coming up from Florida that are either drive, typically driving. Uh, another reason that people drive is that it's hard to fly here. Um, you're usually flying to Charlotte, and that's going to be the closest big airport. And even that, you're going to rent a car, and it's going to be an hour and a half to two and a half hours, depending on where you're coming up here. Um, so yeah, people typically driving in the summertime, you do have that small sub, you know, the people that are, are snowbirds that are coming up from Florida. I would say it's less people probably renting that are from Florida or more than they just have second homes. Um, you'll get a couple people that are renting that maybe are visiting their other friends that do have homes. But um, yeah, I would say overall, I don't know, Joe, maybe 80% of the, the guests are going to be from North Carolina. I, I mean, you, you probably get more with your. I'd agree with that. I mean, just kind of across the board, like and I've got such a clear example because it was, I grew up in Winston, like in high school, I had a 92 RS Camaro. We take the T-tops off and we drive straight up to Boone and we go down there, Banner Elk, hit the Blue Ridge like parkway. Like that's what you did. We had a blast doing it and it was an hour, 45 minutes. And that was just kind of the ride. And so Brad, I know you mentioned it too, of just being able to like zip on down there whenever it's hot. And, um, that's what we did 
growing up in Winston-Salem. It's like you either went to the mountains or the beach. And so um, definitely a drive to market across the board. Right. And I would say it also kind of depends on where you're coming from. For instance, like I know we've talked a little bit about for Beach Mountain, for example, is is 45 minutes, a good 45 minutes from Boone. So if you're coming from Raleigh or anywhere east you're gonna, and you're going to Beach Mountain, you are driving through Boone to get to, Ban- to Beach Mountain. So it's, you know, Joe's hour and a half drive. He's talking about from Winston. Well, now it's two hours and 15 minutes to Beach Mountain because it's that much farther you know, down here versus if you're coming from Charlotte, Blowing Rock's the first town you hit on 321. There's parts of Northern Charlotte. You can get to Blowing Rock in an hour and 15 minutes. Um, so that's going to be kind of dependent. You know, if you're coming from Knoxville, kind of the east side, Banner Elk is going to be one of the first towns you hit. Could be it take you a little bit longer to get to Boone or Blowing Rock if you're coming from the east side. So it really kind of all depends on where, where you're coming from. Um, and uh, that, that could play a huge role too. Awesome. That's great information to know where everybody's coming from. So next thing I want to talk about that I know everybody, the main reason that people are listening to this, and this will probably be a question mostly for Brad because he owns in a bunch of different areas. So what are the purchase prices like here compared to other areas? And feel, I mean, feel free to use numbers, Garrett, if you uh, have any handy, but Brad, you know, can compare from other areas that he owns. Yeah, I would say that, you know, from a price per square foot, uh, the the majority of the homes that I see if they're a little smaller than other markets. So a price, if you're looking at price per square foot, it's probably similar to some beach markets, Gulf Coast. Um, but the total purchase price is lower because you're purchasing a smaller home. Typically, there aren't a lot of four, five, six, seven, eight bedrooms like there are in the Smokies and in Gulf Shores. But um, you know, my my purchase price a year ago was just over four hundred thousand for a two bedroom, two bath, and I'm under contract right now for a three bed, three bath for five thirty. So um, new construction, and it I added some extra stuff. It probably would have been a little under five hundred, but we added like a sauna and a, a, an awesome outdoor deck and stuff like that. So to really drive bookings, hopefully. So I would say Garrett obviously knows this, but I would say the vast majority of purchases are 300 to 600 with the exception of a few 900s and 1.2 millions that are true second homes or, you know, barely rented. If they're, if it's a true short-term rental, I would say it's in the 400 to 600 range. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, A lot of times, you know, I mentioned those people coming up from Florida, a lot of these really high-end homes that the mark, you know, the local market says is worth, 1.5, 1.6 might even be a 20, you know, 2,200 square foot home on top of a mountain that has amazing views. You know, again, that's not really going to make amazing sense from a short-term rental, but it's going to be worth that because of somebody that's looking for a second home. Um, And and a lot of these houses that are super big are not going to be in an area or a neighborhood that even allows short-term rental. So yeah, that sweet spot, you know, if you can find a house that's eight bedrooms that is in on its own, I'm sure it would, you know, would really crush it. But um yeah, a, a lot of the sweet spots. I don't know what the average purchase price uh, was last year, but I would say it was probably somewhere in the 500, 450 area. Um, and, and in my opinion, it's probably probably going to be the best, yeah, the best bang for your buck. And that's great because that is comparatively quite low compared to a lot of other comparable markets. The Smokies, I mean, being the most obvious one to compare it to because it's the biggest one that's the closest. So, you know, that's that's quite a bit less than the average purchase price in the Smokies. So that's a really great option. And, and I would say too, I mean, and I know it probably applies in the Smokies, maybe more here because the elevation, but, um, you know, my, my brother's a builder and he's been kind of been telling me lately about how, you know, there's certain fixed costs that come from building properties, um, no matter if the house is 200 square feet or 6,000 square feet versus, you know, if you got a 
$50,000 driveway could be a $50,000 driveway, depending, you know, depending on the, the land, depending on how big a house, the well, you know, it needs water, depending on how deep you have to go, could cost you the same amount, no matter the size of the house, same with septic and stuff. And so uh, you, you find that a lot of times, for instance, Brad's house. Yes. It was, if you look at it for price per square foot, it was off. I mean, two bedroom, two bath, it's only a little over 700 square feet. So it's, it's, it's small. So price per square foot, it's super high. Um, but what he can bring in, you know, revenue wise, two bedroom, two bath. And from a short-term rental perspective, um, the value can be really, really good. So I definitely can encourage, I, w- I encourage people to not necessarily look as much about the price per square foot, uh, and more, you know, how many, how many people can this property sleep, the location and, and the view too. I mean, I know we've talked about, I have a house closing tomorrow, um, for 1.7 million and it is, it's, it's four bedroom, five bath, but the view is, it's a half a million dollar view as far as all things being equal. If that house was in the middle of the woods, it's worth, you know, a thousand, a million. So the view is going to be, uh, another kind of determinant price that can make the price per square foot, um, numbers look a little bit jaded. Cash flow. That's what matters <laughs> right there, man. To the T. If you can make it cash flow, I mean, that's where I base all my investment decisions on. It's like, if is this property going to cash flow? Am I securing long-term low interest debt and have adequate cash reserves? Like um, price point, square footage really doesn't matter if it makes money. And so right. that's that's where I always kind of run in on those. It's like, it's it's not as a... It's not as fun to talk about as views and um, all this other fun stuff and the million dollar views you get. But I'm like, hey, if this thing like the price point supports it from the cash flow it brings in, I'm all for it. And the only counter to, and not counter to that, but the only thing to think about there, which has helped is, is just like, okay, we're valuing these properties from a commercial perspective on how much money it brings in. But you know, is this house going to appraise in some of these small places? And that was something that we maybe came, you know, was a little bit trickier a year, a year and a half ago. Um, you know, as far as an appraisal gap, now you have enough people that paid X amount for it, that that's going to be less of an issue. You know, if someone builds another 800 square foot, two bedroom, two bath house, well, you we got Brad's house as a comp or some other houses, as a, there's been enough new construction or some other sales as a comp to now say, okay, this house is definitely actually going to appraise from a market value, which again, is something that we always kind of have to think about um, because, you know, we're analyzing these things from a commercial perspective, but um, residential, you know, lenders and appraisers aren't. Yeah, absolutely. And those million dollar views can contribute and do contribute, not can, they do contribute. Oh, absolutely. To but you just have to make sure again, that the numbers work because sometimes you'll be paying more for a view than what it's actually contributing to the cash flow after a certain point. Mm-hmm. All right. So one thing, this might be mostly a Joe question. Are these all single families or do condos work in this market or are there multifamily options? Let's go. I'm all about it. Um, My properties are smaller. I got six condos up there uh, kind of all in a row. And I think it's a fantastic condo market across the board. Um, You can still snag something up there that... um, cash flows well, but has the ability to kind of be broken up into smaller units. And so that's kind of my jam. I absolutely love like smaller units that are like really, really well staged and you're just rolling people in and out the whole time. Um, you've got to love that game to really like dive deep into that. But, um, there are some multifamily options up there. I have found that, uh, just the condo options, like it's, it's just a really affordable price point. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I agree. I, I think, one reason for that is the lack of hotels in the entire area. Um, 
why we don't have as many hotels. Um, a lot of that is, is zoning laws, you know, out in Avery County. Um, there was a big giant condo complex, eight stories that was built on top of Sugar Mountain back in the eighties. And it caused all this upheave because it, you know, it's ugly. Uh, we call it the booger on sugar and it blocks all the views in all these other places. Um, it's, it, and so because of that, you know, there's a lot, they, they really try to res- like, they try to protect the views. And so they've had added a lot of commercial laws that out in Avery County, you can't go higher than three stories unless it's mixed use. And so there's one best Western in Banner Elk and it's one stories. And so if you're people, people coming up here to go skiing for the night, a couple, you know, last minute, anyone that's going to stay in a hotel anywhere in the country coming up here to stay in a hotel, if you want to stay out in Avery County, you can't do, you know, you're going to stay in a condo because there's only one hotel. Boone is going to have a couple, you know, a little bit more um, close to the university, but that's going to be a reason why condos can be can be super attractive. You see a lot of these old Bennett breakfasts, motels that are kind of being bought up by people now and converting into a, you know, this boutique hotels or short-term rental, kind of running as short-term rentals. They were an old eight, eight, you know, eight unit multifamily motel that's run down. Um, you're seeing a lot more of that just because the the supply of hotels is definitely a little bit lower. All right. So Joe, yours is, yours is condos or townhouses in a row, or what is that that you have? Because it's kind of yeah. a creative yeah. thing, if I remember correctly. It, it is. So technically, they're condos, and so it was six condos right beside each other, but they're built like townhouses. And but they do sold you own like complex? Okay, so you own the whole yeah, complex. yeah. So I own the whole complex, yeah. And so it's a little six unit. And um, one of my like foundations for investing is options. Options are the most valuable thing that I think you can have. And so for something like that, which is extremely unique and hard to find, you can run those as individual units all at once if you want. And then I also list it as like one large property. So like there's not like everyone's been saying, there's not a ton of really big properties in Banner Elk. And so like I've got the ability to house 28 people if they all want to be broken up. I don't have a great space for them all to hang out at one spot, which I'm finding is a little bit more difficult because people want to like bring tables and chairs and put them in my parking lot, which is just not going to happen, but um, that can, that can always get fun, but uh, no, it, it's cool to have multiple exit strategies. And so if the larger property doesn't book, cause I keep that one open a year, year and a half out in the future, I only keep the smaller units open about six months. And so if the big one doesn't book, the little units will fill in and like start supplementing some of that additional income that I wouldn't have generated. And uh, it's just a nice little niche. Is that a unicorn deal or are there other things out there similar to that, Garrett? Um, yes and no. Um, that was that was a pretty that was a unicorn deal at the time. Um yeah, it's definitely yeah, that that was a crazy deal and it came with a lot of different, you know, a lot of different surprises and stuff. But um I wouldn't say it's a unicorn. I mean, it's still there's definitely, you know, I just saw a commercial property. Not a little bit more like a hotel. Uh, it was an eight unit out between Boone and Blowing Rock that came for sale and sold the same day with multiple offers for around six hundred thousand. That needed a lot more reno, all one bedroom efficiency units. Um, so yeah, you definitely can some. You know, it's not super common, but there's definitely some commercial multifamilies um, that were maybe you know our college rentals that are being converted to kind of short terms that um, can definitely still pop up. And let's you- not sugarcoat it too much because like, I mean, I had two units flood over Christmas and all that <laughs> jazz. Like there's, there's plenty of things that have gone wrong with the deal, but it is awesome to like see a cool deal like that. That is more of a unicorn, but like they all come with their additional problems. And so like, you're going to just run into different problems as you're buying different asset classes across the board. And so just being prepared to pivot into something 
like when a really good deal hits, like a great single family home, a great condo hits, like we're huge proponents of jumping on them because it's about cash flow. This case, it just so happened to be, I was trying to buy, you know, six units at once and it just so happened to be a perfect deal for me. Um, but you can make these numbers work kind of across the board. One more question for you, Joe, before we ask Brad about what he's got. How do you finance something like that if you do come across that? That was a really interesting one because um, it was a commercial, kind of a mix between a commercial loan, but it, it's called a DSCR loan. And so it's a debt service coverage ratio loan. And they have different parameters kind of across the board. But essentially, we went with just a standard 25% down um, because it was a non-warrantable condo complex in kind of a weird HOA. And so a lot of different pieces had to kind of come together. I ended up using um, some like money from like a different HELOC I had of kind of the whole, your properties buy properties as you grow. And so like the goal isn't just to buy one and be like, okay, like I'm done. Like the goal is, is as you're buying more assets that appreciate and continue to grow over time, you can use those properties to creatively finance other deals. And so, um, but that one was definitely a bear. It took a, what, three months for us to get that one closed, Garrett. It was crazy. And I'll add on to that, Avery. I, I, there's when you get up, you know, obviously anything over certain units, you're getting into commercial financing, which I would encourage anybody that is that to really kind of study up and learn commercial financing, which I've kind of done over the last year. Um, I have a local lender, commercial lender, who can sometimes even lend on on certain residential properties uh, if you can kind of view it as a business. Um, and that's something to think about as well. One of the biggest things is that most commercial paper is going to be 20 years with adjustable rates. Um, and so when you're doing any sort of underwriting, uh, you know, thinking about that, the good news is, is that a lot of times the underwriters and lenders will, and even appraisers will use it as, you know, use short, can potentially use short-term rental income. Um, if you're saying it's, you know, kind of like a hotel or a multifamily. Um, and so it can be a little bit easier to get the value. Um, but yeah, you're usually looking at adjustable rates with, um, with 20 year notes and commercial. There, there are some local commercial lenders that I, I recommend and you can use that can sometimes help you with creative financing on some of these bigger deals. Awesome. And Joe, was that, did you have to get six different DSCR loans for one for each unit or were you able to get one big one that was all encompassing? Why are you laughing, Garrett? <laughs> because he's laughing because I was in the law office for five and a half hours signing 673 pages and I burned through three or four different pins and uh, the lawyer had no idea that I was going to be signing. He thought it was just going to be like a 30 minute, like signing like a normal one. And then my loan package showed up and uh, no, I, I had the option to do one big one, um, which would have saved my wrist, but um, I wanted to close each one individually so that I had the option to sell them off individually if I wanted to without breaking up the loan. Um, it did end up making it a lot more complicated, but that goes back to the options. Um, I just wanted to have the ability to do that without having to retroactively come back. Yeah, I think that was smart. Yeah, that's something I don't know if you guys do that in Smokies or not, but something that I've I've encountered and uh, encourage a lot of my clients to do. There's a lot of properties up here that might be on three lots. Um, that was, you know, maybe deeded together when they bought it, and there's two lots that could potentially be sold off or built on later. Um, and a lot of my clients will, you know, it might cost a little bit more in closing costs, but they'll deed them separately. So they'll they'll deed the house and the loan set, you know, together, and then they'll buy the other lot for a dollar based on the sale of the first house. And so they own that second lot outright. So if they want to sell it off, they can do that. It's not attached to the loan. If they want to build on it and get a construction loan, it's not attached to their actual mortgage on the first property. It's, it's a little bit 
any attorney, all these attorneys up here can do it. You're going to pay a little bit more in closing costs running title searches for the second lot. Um, but a lot of people like that option so they can have other little lots that they own quote outright. And it's not attached to the mortgage. Awesome. Good advice. Uh, Brad, let's talk about what you have, because what you have is different than what Joe has. And I don't want to give everyone the impression you have to do this big, crazy, creative deal in order to be successful here. So let's talk about your property there. All right. So I have a, a what I would call a small or, or a large, tiny house, if you can envision that super modern, um, high end, two bed, two bath. Um, it's not really a tiny home because it's what 800 square feet, maybe Garrett or something like that, eight, eight or 900. But um, it is considered a single family. It's um, up on the side of a hill with a steep driveway. That was was one of the things I was a little nervous about, but it's turned out to be just fine. Um, and the one thing that I have, the one that I have under contract is just a larger version of the same thing, three bedrooms. You know, I, I tend to think that this market is one that is, I wouldn't go larger than a three or four bedroom more than likely, unless you have a specific purpose behind it, or you have a specific market that you're chasing. But um, mine's super close to Boone. It's very uh, convenient. It's, you know, three minutes from everything. So um, I'm a little further from where Joe is, where the ski uh markets are and all that but i still have people that stay at my place for ski stuff but it, it's mostly people around boone that are coming to mind and your sleeps how many people you said uh i have six total that i can sleep okay. it's com com comfortably four but technically six so i i put on my listing that it's for four but if i have somebody that has you know to like my family if we have a, a couple with three kids they they could easily sleep with the couch um very easily so Yep. Yeah, and you keep your occupancy rate pretty high having a uh, a smaller property like that, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. it stays very consistent, um, much more than I expected, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's another thing that, and, and up here, I'm trying to think. I have Brad's thing pulled up. I don't know if I can share my screen or if this is going to be a video or not. But um, you know, one of the things that makes Brad place so sweet is not that it can sleep so many people; it's that the space is so well thought out and really cool that. You know, hey, four people, you're still going to garner a really good rate. It's going to be, you know, you might have two couples, a couple's retreat, and he doesn't need to sleep six. You don't need to necessarily worry about having the sleeper sofa. You're going to get the rate. He's getting all the rates and he's bringing the revenue, not because, hey, he's able to take people of six. It's because people, the parties of four are willing to pay a lot more because it's a really cool, unique space that's really well thought out. Um, you know, Joe might even be able to tell you, I know in his complex, he's got four two twos and two three twos. And I'd be interested to see, you know, how much more those three twos really do than the two twos, um, you know, given just an extra bedroom, all things being equal. Yeah. And I, I'm going to need a little bit more uh, data before I can give like a precise number, but it does appear that um, my three bedrooms do a little bit better, but like you also still have um, like higher costs that come along with that. So I've got a little bit higher utilities and whatnot, but um, Brad, one of the comments I wanted to make um, is just, I think it's really cool where you have yours placed or where you're able to, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you're able to pull a lot of these students and like their families, like bringing them like to the university. And uh, I just remember really distinctly, I think it was 65, maybe 70% of my graduating class in high school went to Appalachian State University. And so mm. there's just a huge demand of people coming there. But then at the same time, you've got the football games, you've got the ski slopes and like you're close enough that a lot of people don't realize this. If you're going up there from Winston, you have to funnel right through there. Like you're going to have to drive right past this property to get to the slopes anyway. And so it's on the way. And so it's, it's just a great way to not necessarily be 
dependent on the ski slopes and the mountains. Like one like mine is a little bit more like that. Like there's going to be less people that come from Boone specifically to like go to the college games and whatnot because you're closer to the slopes. And so it's a real good happy medium. Yep, that's right. No doubt. Yeah, and I mean, I know North Carolina is kind of people think football, they think the SEC. When think of people, you know, college basketball, it's usually college basketball is usually like the North Carolina Duke, NC State. App State is, uh, you know, I know we got a big, we had a big win against Texas and Texas A and M this year. Since we've gone like the Division One FBS, like, sure, we're not an SEC powerhouse school, but the town kind of and the alumni and this university really gets behind the football team, and it kind of feels a lot bigger than it might maybe is to some outside people. Um, you know, one of those things, if you ever go to a game at App State, it's one of those things where you kind of, when you're there in person, you, you get, uh, you kind of get it. Um, but because a lot of the alumni live so close, it's not like these people that went to Duke and now live all across the country. It's like 80% of the people, the reason they went to App is because the tuition was so cheap and it was in-state tuition. And so they typically, they moved to Charlotte, moved to Raleigh. And so, um, you just get, not only do you get people visiting, but you have a lot of people, I even have clients that went to App. And are coming back because they went to school there and still live in Charlotte or Raleigh. And so you kind of get a little bit of recycled people um, with the university. You know, I know you get the families, you get the people that are currently in the university, along with all the staff, and then the people that, you know, alumni that tip still lives very close. Yeah, that's awesome that it's you can kind of double dip like that. I like that. I like that market diversity a little bit for sure. All right, guys. Uh, anything else about why you might want to buy in the high country that we haven't hit that you think our listeners might need to know about? Closing yeah. remarks. I, I really do need to re-hit on the mountain <laughs> coaster here because I don't think we gave it enough screen time. All right. Is it is incredible. <laughs> it's let's see, it's the closest one for anywhere. So if you've been on like a real big one, you probably won't feel that way. But wait, is it the kind really that you're get... on like a little sled and you have the brakes, the handbrake? Oh, yeah. Like Okay. Oh yeah. You control it. And it's just pedal to the metal right there. I don't know so, if we're talking about the same one and this might be bad for my business, but I'm pretty sure they had like an accident at that, at that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are the you new, serious? The one in Banner Elk right there. Yeah. The one in the, right there. Oh, it's oh my got gosh. Really cool. Like glass. Frame. I don't know. Yeah. I think there was some sort of like. Somebody flew I, off. I don't think anyone died or anything, but like, I, yeah, something. I mean. I've heard that like, about some of the ones in the Smokies. I'll hear every I now guess. and then somebody flew off of it. I mean, that happens. Just that, that just adds to the fun, guys. I don't know the geography. That's, that's like, why I'm on the mountain coaster here, all right? I just feel I'm here like to get the rush. Are, yeah, roller coasters are... I mean, if you're not in Disney World or Disneyland, it's kind of like eating seafood in the mountains. It's like... Oh. I will say, I've never been to Disney World or Disneyland, and I've never even been to Carowinds, so... Well, that checks is, out, then. Yeah, this is kind of my high Joe's on. pinnacle is uh, the mountain coaster in Vanero. It really is. It's incredible. It's the climate. For the climate. It's the climate. You live in Tennessee in the summertime, it's the climate. Yeah. You know, I, I will say, and I tell my clients all the time, um, again, it is not from a cash flow perspective, not from an investment perspective. Obviously, we wouldn't, and none of us would be in this conversation if it wasn't for the Smokies being as much of a powerhouse rental town as it is. Um, but I would say that my area, with all of my clients that own in both areas, it's, it's my area is where people want to spend more time with their own personal property. Um, and so it can be, and, the, and you know, the good news there is that it can be a really good opportunity for somebody that lives semi-close. I would say the majority of my clients are semi-close. Well, sure, you can still make money everywhere, um, but the people that are closer um, that are going to are a lot more attracted to the area because they know they're going to spend a lot more time there. Um, and the flip side, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe don't 
are from North Carolina, maybe they hate skiing and snowboarding. And so they know, hey, the high season is going to be the wintertime. I can rent it out. And in the summertime, it might be a little bit slower because people are going to the beach, but that's when I want to be up there. So they're not losing as much revenue coming up there in the summertime or some of their areas that they like. Um, and so I know we don't always talk about using it as a second home, but I definitely think my area is an area that if you do live close, you find yourself, you know, your biggest hurdle is not being able to afford to go to your own rental because you want to go up there all the time. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, guys, if you want to buy with us with the short-term shop with Garrett in the high country, email us at agents at the short-term shop.com and we will hook you up. Or if you have more questions, maybe you want to compare and contrast some different markets and ask some questions. We have a weekly free we call it office hours Q&A that you can sign up for at strquestions.com. And also be sure to join our Facebook group called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Thanks so much for being on, guys. Thanks, Avery. Thanks for having us.